Pelotero Pickle episode 70. We got Vlad Jr. hitting line drives and homers, doing both. A couple tweets, Tiger Woods going off about being great. That's a good episode, short and sweet. Check it out. Pelotero Pickle episode 70. We have no special guest today. Uh, we're in a lockout. There's nothing going on. We should probably just wrap up the show now, but we're not going to. Chris Colabello joining me as always. How are you doing, Chris? Good, Bobby. We You're should, tired. We You're should tired. wrap up the show. Yeah, I think I'm tired. I don't. I don't know. I don't know the difference between tired and not tired. What's your what's your what's your sleep schedule like right now? What are you working with? I don't know. Just whatever. Whenever my eyes close, they close, and whenever they open, they open. Generally speaking, I, I tend to fall asleep pretty late, like between two and now it's between three and six. Yeah, you're you're I would say inconsistent with your lateness. And then I wake up anywhere between nine and ten thirty. I don't usually wake up after ten thirty. Yeah, well, that's good. Yeah, if, uh, kids are like built-in alarm clocks, so they just wait. You're you're up. By default, it doesn't matter what time you go to bed. So I, this is a funny topic, kind of. I range between like four and seven hours of sleep, right? Um, and you know what's crazy is in today's world and today's baseball landscape. This we could talk about baseball. All these kids, all the kids that I talk to, college guys, they'll go to bed at ten thirty during the week, ten o'clock. Uh, and they're like, all right, I gotta go to sleep. And it's fascinating to me. And I said, you're, I said, you're in college, you know, or even, you know, high school kids or whatever. And I certainly am not, not promoting to get your eight hours of sleep in. But I feel like people don't know how to not get eight hours of sleep in. Is that, is that weird? Young people, anyway. I can't tell you how many times I, I didn't sleep when I was young. Yeah, I, I think I probably slept better when I was younger than I realized compared to now. I So I have a whole like life theory about when you're young, you go to bed early during the week and stay up late on the weekends. So like Friday, Saturdays, or like stay up late, play video games, hang with friends, whatever. And then when you're an adult, you stay up late during the week and then go to bed early. Like if I get to bed like eight o'clock on a Friday night, I'm the happiest person. It's amazing. If I went to bed at eight o'clock when I was in high school or college, it's a problem. Yeah, that's it's it's weird to me. First of all, I think there's something to be said for the ability to just battle through anything, right? And when you start to rely on something as you need it for your performance, then you're in trouble. No matter what it is, it can be sleep, protein shake. Red Bull, whatever, it doesn't matter. I think that it's weird. It's just weird to me how many college kids that I talk to that are, that, you know, they feel like they need to get their eight, nine, whatever hours of sleep it is to be able to play good or else they yeah. feel like they can't play good. So I guess, I guess it's more attached to them perceiving that they're not going to play as well if they don't sleep. Well, if you, if you let it affect your performance, that's a big problem. I know with the, uh, the new wearable devices that are measuring your sleep and your quality sleep and all that. It's cool. But I feel like a lot of kids use it as a crutch to be like, Oh, I can't, 
can't really work hard today because my recovery numbers aren't good. And it's like, shut up and work. Just like, you're not like, I used to always give kids in my facility a hard time. They're like, Oh, I'm real tired today. I'm like, well, welcome to life. You're going to be tired for the next 70 years. Get over it. Everybody's yeah. tired. I mean, that's the, we, by measuring things and, and, and saying, okay, well, this is, this is optimal. This isn't, we, we, the natural tendency is to, to feel that you need to be at optimal to perform. And when you're not, I think the key to the whole thing, and it's not just sports, the key to everything is the the ability to perform when you're suboptimal, when you're not at your best. And I don't think people, it's, I don't think people really understand that. That's why I'm fascinated by the whole paradigm. And I get kind of put on my heels a lot during the day because that's, you know, people ask me how much you sleep in like three hours and they're like, what? And I just say, yeah, I just slept three hours and now I'll go do what I got to do. And it's going to be what it'll be. And I'll figure out how to get it done, you know, Mm -hmm. Uh, because at some point there has to be an element of figure it out. And if you want to play a sport at a high level, or if you want to be like more than average in anything, better just figure it out. You better just figure it out. And I, that's one of the things I don't, I just don't like mediocrity. So I guess I'm, I guess I'm strange. Well, that's why we, we get along. Let's jump into topics. We got a uh, first topic is Vlad Jr. It's a very good tweet by uh, Peabody, Peabody baseball. I think he calls it Peabody, but it's Peabody. If you're from the Northeast, um, John put up a very, very, reasonable rational tweet and he had two clips one is vlad jr in the cage just hitting a nice lean up the middle just casual working on a swing and then uh the the bottom clip is vlad jr hitting an absolute moonshot in toronto it looked to be at uh what's a what's a restaurant level there it's not what's a, the ring of honor Le- level of excellence level of excellence absolute moonshot he said, both swings are on purpose. Coaches don't twist either video to make it fit your narrative. So I loved it. I thought it was so simple. Got pretty good traction. I could have gotten more, but I'll, give my, I'll throw my retweet right now because I like it. Um, very, very simple. Like you should be able to do both. At one point there was a clip. I need to find this clip because I talk about it all the time. Joey Votto was talking about like, you got to be able to do, just control the ball. Like it, you just, if you need to hit a ground ball, you need to be able to hit a ground ball. If you need to hit a fly ball, you need to be able to hit a fly ball, pull, oppo, whatever. Like this is skill, right? This is just what skill is with performance ability with the high engine. Yeah. It's I mean, great. I, so I, I've been getting really, I think irritated at the fact that all I do is keep reading people's opinions about something somebody else is saying and everybody just feels so and, and the word entitled is wrong because yeah you, you have the, the right to say what you want think what you want but to to presume that you're not gonna ruffle feathers or get under somebody's skin when you make some snide remark about anything that anybody else is doing now it's fine to do it I guess on your own time, but the, the, the point I'm trying to make is yeah, Vlad is doing what Vlad's doing. And that's all that ma- the only thing that matters is that it works for Vlad. That's it. 
It's the only thing that matters. It doesn't matter if it works for anybody else. It doesn't matter if it, if a little kid can't do it or a little kid can do it. It matters that coaches try to take really good information. We have to use some sort of deductive reasoning, right? We have to use some sort of deduction to, to try to extract the true value of what's happening. Because if not, then you're not teaching anything, right? Does that make sense? So simple comment. Yeah, you need to be able to do everything without a doubt. You need to be able to hit the ball high. You need to be able to hit the ball low. You need to be able to hit the ball to the left. You need to be able to hit the ball to the right on command, basically. And it doesn't matter what location the pitches are in. You just need to be able to do it. I think a lot of kids right now are missing the top part of that video, the the line drive up the middle where they're just trying to just hit tanks and optimize. And there's a feel element to what's happening. You got to, it's like, you need a first gear, you need a second gear, you need a third gear. Like it's a, you need it all because you're going to encounter pitchers where you need all of those tools at your disposal. You can't be one dimensional. So I think that that's what I see when I see this. It's like, yeah, if he wants to go up top, it's in the tank. I didn't have that. You could go deep in batting practice. I, I, a couple times in my life, I went deep in BP. But I spent my whole life trying to hit ground balls to second base because that's what coaches told me to do. So there's balance to that where you you want to be a complete hitter, but you need that potential to do damage as well. It's just it's not that hard. And when I say it's not that hard, it's, it might be hard to execute. It might be hard in practice. The problem – the problem I'm seeing is no matter what, people think that they have to be optimal or perfect, right? They have to hit it the hardest when they do anything. And, and that's just, it's a, it's a false fallacy. It's a false statement. It's a false thought. It's the interpretation of what is good is so skewed in my mind because of metrics right and it, it it's not metrics fault it's it's humans fault for perceiving metrics the way it is so anybody that wants to come in and make the data and tech argument is bad it's ruining the game it's not ruining the game humans are the ones that are interpreting the information and and they're the ones ultimately that are if you're paying attention to the wrong sources yeah they're doing a disservice but it's the same it, i can make the same argument about you know, the humans that use nuclear bombs to start war versus nuclear reactors to create energy are the, the problem is the human. The problem is not, you know, nuclear fission or whatever it is, you know, it, it still comes down to human beings. And that's why the, the only the only source for information, the only real true way to learn is to be educated. You have to be educated. You have to feel and you have to see and you have to know what's real and you have to know that like. All the people that are like, oh, feel versus real is stupid. Well, you have to know everything if you want a chance to be good. The more you know, the, the, the better you can make decisions. There was a commercial about that when we were growing up. The more you know, with like the star going across the screen. It's good. It was a perfect segue to topic number two. So uh, I had a, a little interaction yesterday with a guy named Bobby Stevens. I don't even know. He's a future mayor of Chicago, according to his Twitter profile. <laughs> Didn't see that until just now. Uh, former baseballer. He's currently with the WC Baseball Club. I don't Windy City Baseball Club. Maybe we'll bump into him in uh, at ABCA. So 
His tweet reads, guys that have to rely on data and tech to teach baseball don't know enough about baseball to teach you anything. Sorry for your hurt feelings. And I replied, imagine if people who don't have to rely on tech understood how to use the tech to scale what they don't need tech for so they can help more players and coaches, which I thought was a very, very intentful word sandwich. So I did that on purpose. Uh, but the whole, the whole interaction was basically he's upset that people are, are selling people this dream of the tech will teach you blah, blah, blah. The Ted, like you got to hit these numbers. You got to benchmark whatever to be considered good. And I think he's right. This is like, I call it the crossfitification of baseball. Um, you call it metricing and it's just tired. It's we're not trying to just metric. And I was trying to communicate basically what Pelotero was even built for, which is like, we, I've talked about this a bunch. I'm going to talk about, I use this all the time. I think sports tech got it backwards where they made all these numbers up. They got these really cool devices and they figured out how to measure stuff. And they said, Hey, look, baseball world. These are things that we can measure. And then the coaches, they created some metrics to be like, Hey, look, look at this. Look, look at this number. And baseball coach was like, okay, cool. Let us actually test it with real athletes at sample size with, you know, real conditions and figure out what's actually meaningful. So now you can work backwards correctly to say these things matter. These things don't and everything can kind of roll from there. But, uh, my, I mean, my, my feelings weren't certainly hurt. I, I made a comment at one point where he's like, you know, people are selling data driven, data driven. And I said that the tech should be enhanced. Anything you're doing in the cage, with tech, it should be enhancing what you're doing with your interaction and relationship with the player. It's a communication tool. Uh, it, it's objective stuff. It can look at things that you can't see. So there's, there's value there if you spend the time to, to, to learn it. Uh, but I was like, you're, if you're running in the circles of people saying that this metric means you're good, you're running the wrong circles. Cause anybody that, I mean, people that I interact with aren't saying that. It's, it's another source of information, right? It's another source of potential learning. It's another source to help interpret anything you're doing, right? And anything that's a source of good information, of good obje objective information should be good if, if you let it be. Now, it's the same, it's the same thing we we're just talking about. Of course, people can spin things improperly. Of course, people can use things for evil. I mean, it, it, listen, and it's not their fault. I, this is what I'm talking about. I don't understand why humans feel such a need to pass judgment on other humans when they disagree with what they're talking about. Now, especially, especially when they really don't know the roots of the problems when they don't know the, the actual truth behind it. Right. It, until you really go get in a cage with somebody or until you really explore and get deep into what their teaching is, what their philosophies are, you, you have no idea how those kids, how those people are relating to, to athletes. Now on the surface level, can I watch somebody and see if there's some swing characteristics that they're teaching that I think are going to end up causing players to be flawed? Sure. But that, 
that doesn't mean that I know whether that coach is good at building relationships or getting kids to get buy-in or the, the coach, the coach is a resource, right? Like the coach is a resource the same way the data is a resource, the same way practice is a resource, the same way your parents are a resource and players have to seek out whatever the things are that help them the most. The, the idea is to give the player the tools to get better on their own. Right. And if we can do that, then we're doing something good. And if we're not, then we're not. The, 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 the whole concept of you're teaching this or you're teaching that it's, it's almost infuriating because we get caught in this paradigm of like, it's just back and forth of people who have opinions about something and they're not going to break. We know they're not going to break and we still engage in debate still engaged like it's so stupid like nobody's gonna win guys you're not gonna win like what's your end game here your end game has to be help kids get better period if that's your end game then you're not gonna miss the mark and 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 the problem is again and i don't i don't mean to call this guy out i don't know him from adam and and sure like does it does it mean that sometimes you need to you know vent a little bit yeah but is is like a 244 character tweet a place event where now that exists in real life. I, it's, I don't know. I'm, I'm a lot more active with my Twitter than you are. I let things fly. No, it's fine. But the, it, all our, all our Twitter stuff is, is a response generally. Like I put, I try to post a lot of things that come to my mind when I'm talking to hitters throughout the course of days. Like yesterday, yesterday I posted a tweet about not jumping to conclusions about anything. And it kind of has to do with hitting and the Twitterverse. Um, and then I'll, I'll, I'm, I'm less reactive than you are to other people just because I've learned how to not care ultimately about what people say. I had to. I had to put up a shield. And it's okay. Like, I think engaging and, and letting people know they're wrong is fine. And usually the response to wrongness is necessary, right? When It's like when you see evil in front of you and you do nothing about it, you become complicit. But... I mean, the world's too big for us to solve all its problems, isn't it? Yeah, I, I try to. Uh, Twitter's fun for me. I, it's it's a. There's a lot of really, really, really good resources on there, and more people should probably curate their audience versus just like. I don't I don't block people, but I mute a lot of people if I don't like what they're talking about. If it's just distracting, I just mute it. It's like it's so easy to do. And then if you want to read it, you can unmute and read it. It's fine. Um, but there's, if you curate your audience on any social media, I'm talking like Twitter, Facebook, TikTok, TikTok is incredible. I've learned so many things on TikTok, these stupid 60 second clips or however long they are now. They, like it's, it's incredible if you follow the right people and they're helping you and they're making your life better. So we're off the rails at this point, but the, uh, the this specific interaction i think it's it, it's another old school new school debate it's feel versus real almost kind of i think he's his angle he's probably frustrated because he probably has people that he cares about that are going down a path that he feels is detrimental so are they going um, down that path or do they have one conversation with somebody and so so when i yeah his responsibility to like to be like, hey, here's what I think. 
because the only thing you can do is build trust with the athletes so that when they need information, they come to you. And if they don't, then at the end of the day, you're it's, there's nothing you can do about it. Your job is to be you and to be the best you you can be and try to help the most people you can. So ultimately did, did somebody get their career derailed or, and, and if they did, whose fault is it? It's their own fault. It's their own fault for not doing a better job of curating their audience, of curating the people that they're listening to. We can, yeah, you we should can, you do that in real life. You can, we you can, can sit here and call a spade a spade, Bobby. You know, people want to get mad that they get fooled into doing something, but the reality of it is they're the one that makes the decision at the end of the day, right? They're the ones that yeah. are, and look, there's a line, I think. Sure. Yeah. It's not as clear cut as I'd like that to be. Cause if, when you're not the expert and you're trying to trust experts and people are, they're certified in this and they got the, blah, 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 like, there's a, there's a lot expert? of ways to fake it on what is an expert in hitting what there what is an expert in hitting i i would argue i would argue and this is going to sound really conceited and stupid and brutal i might be the only true expert in hitting in the hitting world because yeah, i've, it, I've lived the change bleaker said it the other night on bridge of gap i live yep. the change i live the application of it most of the people that are talking about the change haven't lived it and been on the other side of it. Now, J.D. Martinez, J- Justin Turner, all those guys, the swing change guys, Donaldson, you could say that they lived the change, but they've never been on the side where they've gone to try to instruct and teach and build something like in a coaching realm, right? So, it, like, okay, I'm the only expert in the world. Great. Congratulations. That's Thanks. great. I win. Glad but, you're on our team. But, but the whole point is – I, I have a lot of trusted sources, obviously myself. If I, Chris Caldwell, can trust you and can talk to Casey Smith and can talk to Ferbs, can talk to Bleak, can talk to Joey, can talk to any of these guys, Joey Lewis, whoever it might be, and I'm willing to listen, then how can anybody sit here and tell me that, you know, you have to have played in the big leagues to have information or knowledge? Because at the end of the day, I respect those guys because they work hard and, and they're trying to learn every day. And as long as those things hold true, then it doesn't, it doesn't really matter what your message is. It doesn't, it doesn't. It's the people that close themselves off that are the ones that really, and you know, they, that's when hate happens. You start hating when ultimately you're, you're closed off to any ideas when you're closed off to growing, to learning, to even thinking about anything that anybody else could possibly be talking about. You right, as you would say. You right. Thanks, dog. I am right. That's why I said it out loud. No, it was good. I, that was for all the for all the Homer stories that you ever told. I think that just took the cake in terms of. I, I don't know that you're wrong. You have you are uniquely positioned to speak on this stuff. It's good. I like it. Let's talk about greatness for a second, shall we? Tiger Woods. We shall. Tiger Woods. Uh, Played golf with his son this weekend, Charlie, who's a stud, by the way. He's way better than both of us at golf, which yep. Facts. if I don't want no, I'm not even gonna go that. I'm gonna just leave it at Charlie Wood is Charlie Woods is good at golf. He's better than me. Um after the round, they there was a question asked to him about 
what it means to keep the game fun and you know how do you help the kids because it's a it was the the event was the pnc challenge which is the the pro plays with their kids or their their son or daughter really or cool event parent, or or the parent yeah correct or yeah. father-in-law like bubba did yep and then um yeah so tiger's response was awesome it was like the basically the the event isn't the grind the practice is the grind and there's a, a phrase in golf is that you dig it out of the dirt, which is meaning you're hitting golf balls and you're taking divots and you're finding your swing and you're finding your feels and everything. And talking about learning, learning what your miss is and how to manage your misses. And I just, I mean, it completely resonates with me. Uh, I think a lot of people might watch that clip and think they get it, but I don't know if they've lived it. And I think this is ultimately where confidence really comes from. And you, I, I strongly believe there's, there's people that are super, super talented. There's guys that can do things with the golf club that can't make it to the PGA tour because they don't have the mental game. They don't have, they're talented, but they don't have the, the mental fortitude and toughness and resilience to, to manage their miss or to control their emotions. And like, it, it's like, what do you, what do you have to fall back on when things aren't good? which kind of brings us back to the earlier conversation. I thought it was a great clip. Something if, if Michael Jordan talks about it, Tiger Wood talks about it, Tom Brady talks about it. You should listen. That's what this all comes down to. Last dance, man in the arena, Tiger Woods. I I just wish we could get these guys to talk more in that realm. So people could appreciate it more because it's, it's hard to get to them to get them to talk like that. They have to be guarded, right? In a lot of ways, they have to, they have to guard everything. Because if not, somebody's going to be critical of it. And especially earlier in their careers, like later in their careers, I think they start to, they all start to share. You see Tiger sharing more now. Um, Brady now obviously doing more things. And I think being out of New England is helping that. Um, you know, Jordan, Jordan agreed to release the last dance, what, 10 years post-career, 15 years post-career, whatever it is. Um, the, the thing that you learn as you go along and the older you get is you just have to learn how to manage sucking, right? Because everybody, and, and, and the weird, the weird thing about this is everybody has their own version of I suck and everybody has the own, their own version of I'm the man. Right. And, and wherever it is on the scale, Johnny 14 year old, I'm the man might mean, you know, he's capable of going five for eight with a, a double down left field line and, you know, four bloop singles, whatever. That might be Johnny little guys. I'm the man where another guys. I'm the man might be a seven for eight with five pumps, right? An 18 year old kid, Spencer Torkelson, right? That, that maybe before he got drafted and we all have a version of, I suck. And, and the versions of, I suck are all way closer together <laughs> where, you know, it's over for eight with six punches. It's over for eight with five punches. It's, you know, maybe weak contact, whatever it is. Cause that that's just the, the hitting is hard part. Cause if the pitcher does what the pitcher needs to do, they're going to get you. Right. And what you learn in practice is how to manage the I suck guy. You just have to learn how to manage the I suck guy. And that's what I think that's what he's talking about. I think that's what where greatness comes from. Like it's so easy to show up at practice when you're raking the days when I'm banging and the barrels are showing up. Give me 42 swings. I'm out. 
mic drop. See you later. I feel nasty. I want ba- I'm bangeranging on a shirt. Stat. Yeah. I, I want to wear that shirt. I would feel good just wearing that shirt around. Bangerang, Rufio. That's you know. Anyway. But the game's not meant to be easy, and what we have to learn how to do is manage the suck. You have to manage the suck, and that's what he's talking about. He's talking about why that's hard because you take so many swings that even if you're even if you're feeling okay, you're gonna hit yourself crappy at one point like you're gonna hit yourself into some some bad stuff i watched a kid uh a few nights ago made a change made it made a change started really getting the barrel to work up and back and hit eight missiles in a row i've never seen him take a round where he hit eight line drives in a row and then all of a sudden he was just so excited right and he wanted to keep going i said dude you're gonna hit yourself bad at some point just stop soak it in how many line drives in a row you need to hit to feel good and Everything about what Tiger is talking about is right on point because the more you can figure out what your misses are and why, this is why you have to feel, you have to feel in practice. You have to understand the feel. You have to connect it in some sort of human way to your brain. And then that way, when you go out on the course, when that, when that bad miss shows up, you know what you need to tell yourself to try to make it manageable instead of, oh crap, the round's over. So you just took me right to where I wanted to go. Wouldn't you consider that just be like learning how to be professional? Yeah. And it's, it's super aware. It's just being aware, Bobby, at the end of the day, I don't know. Is it professionality or is it, is that a word? Professional? I think to be, to be a professional athlete, you have to minimize how low your valleys are or understand how to recover quicker. Because if you get stuck in a bad place, it's over. But let's call it. It's like the crafty, but it's like, so in golf, they talk about like the guy just finds a way to get the ball in the hole. They just, they're they're spraying it. They're missing greens. Their short game is, you know, that's the the grind round. Sure. Yeah. And I think the baseball equivalent is that like sticking your bat out with two strikes to get a hit to right. So, and and not giving like scratching out a walk, just finding ways to get the job done and understanding like how you're going to get pitched. I think it's, like people think big league players are like, they are super talented and they're all great athletes and they have great, most of them have really, really good swings, but the best ones just, it's like, you have to be crafty about not making outs. You have to, it's chess. There's a, there's a beauty in their inability to fail for too long. Like they just figure it out. Like they're, they're, like the guys that just hang around for 12 years and like, how is this guy still around? He's like, he just finds a way. He just gets it done. So let's go back to the argument from before, right? The, the everybody's, everybody's suck is pretty close, right? The best player in the world going to strike out on three pitches at some point. The worst player in the world can strike out on three pitches. The worst player in the world can't strike out on one pitch or two pitches, or at least I haven't seen it yet. So what makes you good and not good is your ability to do that less often. It's not, oh man, I want to never strike out on three pitches. It's, okay, what are the feelings that are associated to striking out on three straight heaters that you just took one and swung it to? It's even worse probably if you take a heater down the middle and then swing it two breakers in the dirt. That might be a worse feeling than than swinging through three straight fastballs for a strike. But my point is, it's how quickly can you not do that? 
right? And and what it comes down to, and this is, I, I said this in the in the on the panel the other the other night. It's you just have to be obsessed with being good, or being great, or whatever you want to call it. And and what it means, what it means to be obsessed with being great, ultimately, is you gotta hate losing more than you like winning. If you just hate losing, you're gonna figure out how to change something to make it better. And that's where that's where true growth like comes from. You just have to not like losing. It's that simple. If you don't like losing, you'll figure it out. And that's why you kind of got to be an ass to be good. You kind of got to be a douche. You have to be. I've I've read and heard people say that you have to be selfish. There's a, there's an element of selfishness because the work and the time and the effort that needs to go into it. There's an element of like, this is about me. Yeah, but also balancing. Right. So I'm saying you got to be an ass. You got to not like making out. So when you're a kid, you know what that means? You're going to be frustrated. You're going to kick dirt. You're going to maybe throw a helmet, but you have to learn how to manage that and internalize it. Because ultimately, if you if you show your ass on the field, right, like if you show the pitcher what or the other team, if you show them that you're exposed to them, then they know they got you. Now they use that to their advantage. And this is the whole the whole paradigm, the whole d- dilemma and dynamic of sport that we talk about all the time. And it's the same thing with pimping a homer, dude. Like it's, you're letting everybody know how you feel. It's that's why people used to say, act like you've done this before because you, you gain another Trump card. The thing is we can't measure it. It's not tangible, Bobby. People don't feel it. They don't know how to put a number on it, but they're the same. They're the same things. You have to be able to manage that guy that's really good and that guy that's really bad and make the world believe that, hey, I'm still the man no matter what, right? And, and playing those balancing acts. And those are the things we see in, in those guys that we're talking about. We're talking about the Bradys and the, the Jordans, the Woodses. And yeah, like when, when a really big moment happens, you let out that, that dog. And when a really bad moment happens, you let, let out that dog too. My boy Tommy had a bad one this week. Shout out. Ran over the sideline. The, the the things going on all through the internet, you know? I didn't, I, I haven't seen any of the clips. I read about it. I know there he was mad. It sounded yeah, like he was mad. He literally ran over the defensive coordinator and told him to go himself. For the other opposing team, right? Yeah, well, the defensive coordinator was the head coach this weekend because Peyton was. One of my, so a quick story about that. And I think my sophomore year in college, um, we were playing Albany. And yeah, we were up by like, I think we we're up by four and they hit a grand slam to tie the game and their entire dugout went crazy, like crazy. And I looked over the coach, I'm like, act like you've been there before. I said something like that to him. Yeah. after the game. I apologize. I'm like, I'm sorry. I, that was weird. I didn't need to say that. He's like, no, I love it. Like you're, you're pissed. I loved it. It's like, all right, cool. Like, there's those moments when it, when it becomes incredibly authentic and genuine and, and, and the heat of the moment takes you there. Those are the moments that it's okay. Those are the moments where it's, yeah, it's It's all right. It's very real. It's like live. It's happening. It's good. Uh, We just brought up Tom Brady. So we're going to keep talking about Tom Brady announced the, and this is big for for i think for us because we're traditionally both nike guys um which is okay I, I like all shoe brands and apparel brands but i've typically been a nike nice guy spin there. good save yeah 
uh, Tom Brady, this is big news. Tom Brady announced the Brady brand and he's trying to be the Jordan of football. Like the way Jordan is for, I think Jordan's kind of transcended basketball where he's got, he's got, uh, baseball athletes. He has golf athletes like Michigan, where's Jordan for their football. So I mean, Brady's got to go after that account in Michigan, right? He's got to, he's got to close his own water. Uh, can, is Tom Brady cool is the question is Tom like, I don't know if he's got the swagger that Jordan has in so terms of, uh, I have a, I have a cool question. factor. I mean, if he's, if the gear is awesome, like Lululemon has no attachment to ath- like a brand or an athlete, That's like a point. their I, stuff's great. I have a question is, so he's been an Under Armour guy his whole career. Giselle's with un- Under Armour. There's, I'm assuming, they sell like bed sheets at one point too. I mean, he's been deep with Under Armour. But yeah, I'm assuming there's like a lot of brand loyalty there, or maybe I'm wrong. It probably is Under Armour for all we know. That, so that's why he's branding it. Jordan, uh, the Jordan brand is a Nike brand. I'm assuming. I'm wondering if the Brady brand is an Under Armour brand. But I mean, it looks like I don't know. We'll find out. We'll we'll learn more as time goes on. But I'll tell you what, I wear a Brady shirt. Is Tom Brady cool? You said it in the in the pre-show. He's cool in a nerdy kind of way, and but that's what he's that's cool, the coolest he's got, kind he of have like. He doesn't have like swagger. He doesn't have like the cachet that Jordan has. Maybe listen, he does. Maybe he does. Jordan, if you look at his transfer, have you ever seen that the, like the face morphing thing they do sometimes of like throughout sure. his career? He went from being like kind of awkward looking. Now he's like a he's a model. Yeah. So how that Jordan, happened? His whole dude, facial structure changed. Listen, this was that. Simple. I need some of that. Jordan got to the league and had drip. Jordan was at North Carolina and had it. He, this dude was like, he just oozed drip, dude. Like it was like his jumper, the way he dunked, the way he moved, the tongue out, chains. Like he created cool. Literally. Can you imagine creating cool? I can't because I'm certainly not that. My daughter said something. Cohen said something. She goes, that's cool the other day. I'm like, what is she even basing that off of? How does she know what cool is? Right. So the the thing with, with Brady and the thing that I love so much about it, the only thing Tom Brady did cool early in his career was throw a football. He's always been able to throw a football. The way he runs is not cool. The way he walks is not cool. His body was not cool. His hair wasn't cool. He's not a bad looking kid, but like, What's happened to him throughout his career, he's Benjamin Button himself into looking cooler at everything he does That's without true. even trying, which to me... I think there's a lot of effort there. Effort in the sense that, like, yeah, he's trying to become a better football player, but... No, he's very aware of his style and his Ugg boots. And it, he's... Sure. Listen, when, he's when very on top of his up, stuff. You just take them, dude. So to me, the, like... The only way you can be as cool as somebody that's just naturally cool is to like grow into cool. And he's grown into cool to me. That's the way I'll define it. That's why I have, I love the guy because he did it at, he he was a nerd that got really cool. That to me is awesome. And not to mention he's awesome. It's a, his trajectory has been interesting, but I'm excited. Like, 
I've never been an Under Armour guy. I think they came out kind of late for you and I. We were talking about this the other day where senior year of high school was when their first like heat gear came out. That was the first time for that. Uh, but it kind of just missed the boat on Under Armour. Yeah, I, I remember getting the undershirts because I thought, man, this thin shirt will keep me warm. And even they had the cold, really... they, it was all so Nike was doing all dry fit. And then they weren't at dry fit yet. And it was 2000. No, they had dry fit because I, I had, uh, I remember when I was 13, Nike had come out with dry fit. It was almost like, it almost looked like a thermal. But it, it was, was like loose. all like, it wasn't tight. No, it wasn't tight. But I wore it under my shirt every single game. I had two or three, ver- two or three of the shirts and it was just like wicking. And it was the first time that it wasn't just like a cotton shirt. And I wore it almost every game and it was, it became superstitious. I just, Not, just a little stitious. But it was, <laughs> it was a lot. But so they came out. So Nike was all like dry fit. Uh, what is this thing? This is some fit. Vortex. I thought it said no. It's dry fit. This is dry fit back here. Um, but what else do they have? They have other fit stuff, right? Not just dry fit. Was Nike have? I don't know what you're talking. About. But Under Armour had like heat gear, cold gear. Yeah. Like it was like a scuba suit. In college, I had this green mock turtleneck, and I felt like I couldn't even move. My arms were just stuck. Nice. But it kind of kept you warm. Uh, Brady's was probably just going to be under armor, right? I'm guessing, own... I mean, did he go source his own stuff? And I, I don't, I mean, not, not that he's doing it, somebody else is doing it for him, but yeah, all he's doing is being face of the brand which i'm excited to see i'm excited to see what uh is it but is it a lifestyle brand or is it a sporting goods line i don't know it's got to be sporting if he's if he the article i read was it was trying to be the jordan of football yeah but, but from a brand standpoint jordan brand is a lifestyle brand now more than it is a sporting goods brand yeah they so we'll see if if, if brady locks up the university of michigan football program he's got to get that account if you can't get that account they're Jordan school right now. Exactly. That's my point. If he's trying to be the football of Jordan and he can't beat Jordan. That's, it's a that's longer not. process than that. You have to. Yeah. It's, you got to go through this the AD and I'm sure they have a contract. What are you going to go get some Jordan stuff? Chris has left. He has left the screen. He's back. I thought you were getting like a Jordan something. Nah, nah. It was uh. It was a spider web in a place I didn't like it. Okay. Uh, Post show, last topic. Coolest baseball gift you ever received. We, it says Christmas, but we can say holiday. And we can go just and or baseball, like a birthday, whatever. Coolest baseball gift you've ever gotten. I have two. I have two. I think I have two also. There, every time the new bats came out, that you always wanted one of those under the tree because like the metal bats. Yeah. When you got one of those in a wrapper and the fresh leather and you couldn't wait till the grip, the problem was you get it December and you weren't going to use it till March up here. Cause the people were like, Hey, don't use it in the cage. You're going to, with the Cold yellow. Weather, yeah. yeah that, I mean, that was, that was so brutal. You get a bat and you don't want to use it against the metal balls uh, against the yellow balls. And then remember they came out with those bat sleeves so you'd be like, oh, I'm going to put this on. And they were so hard to put on. So I think... Basically like a neoprene sleeve for your barrel, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, I would say the Air Attack 2, which was the blue with the orange trim. Not the not the dark 
with the with the brown. We had the brown one and at Alvern High School. Air Attack Two. Nah. Or was it the Air Attack Three? You gotta look this up. Air Attack Two was blue with with orange trim around the words. That was my favorite bat ever. I just um, some video game just pulled up. Um not what we're looking for. And then my other favorite gift of all time was my first Rawlings gold glove was given to me when I was, I want to say seven. And I treasured that thing. Like it was the, you know, the newest freshest glove I've ever gotten. It was pretty beat up and it was so beat up. Like they he even took the, the player that used it even took the gold trim off the, the Rawlings label. That was how beat up it was, but I, I just kept condition. It was in such good shape. The pocket was awesome. What model was it? Uh, I mean, I was seven, so I don't. Let me tell me the web. It, yeah. I, it was like a just a I web H web. Yeah, like a traditional H web or I. It just depends. Like I don't remember what size it was. It might have been a twelve. Wasn't a modified trapeze or anything? Crazy? No, no, no. But I, this is between ages seven and nine. So bear with me. But it was a standard like basket about, web. Was it a basket web? Yeah, th- not the basket web. It was a it was an iron H. Like depending on what size it was, I think it was an H web. I want to post. It was an I post? No, but it was probably a twelve. Going to keep throwing up web. Yeah, just stop saying words. It was a traditional infielder's Rawlings Gold Glove, right? And when I was ten, I went to a tournament, and I it got stolen out of my bag. And I was devastated. And then I had to buy a new glove. And my dad bought me like a softball glove. And I go, what are you doing? I was like, now at that point, I gained carnal awareness of baseball gear. I said, dad, why am I using a stupid glove? He goes, oh, it was on sale. I said, what a terrible reason to get a glove. My, uh, My glove that I used forever was my brother's old glove, which is funny because my brother is not a baseball player, but he, we like kind of made him play baseball for a couple of years. So he got a, it was a Wilson Kirk Gibson. I'm looking it up right now. Kirk Gibson dual hinge glove. It was Brown. It was so perfectly shaped. It was the best glove ever. I just found, I might have, it's, it's $15 on eBay right now. I might have to get one. Right. It was beautiful. I loved it. It was it, like the, it was like the Greg Maddox with a conform dial, but it just didn't have the conform dial. And yeah, was, I never understood the dials. I wanted one so bad. TBS every night. The TV tray out, eating dinner, watching the Braves. Maddox's glove um, was weird, and and the whole staff used it too. Glavin had the same, basically the same one. They were all Wilson guys. Yeah, Smoltz too. Yep, they had the socks with the sewn in syrups, which was huge. Um, Love those. So my two my two best gifts ever. The first was, uh, and I, I got it by accident, sort of. <laughs> Um, we got a delivery like early December and I, it was the shape of a bat. I'm like, Oh, it's a bat. Sweet. Ripped it open. Didn't think twice. It was a commemorative bat from Cooperstown dreams park. So I went the first year that ever existed, I believe it was 96. It's the first year ever Cooperstown dreams park. And it was the, the where it all began bat company. And it's like labeled like number or something out of 1996. Still have it. It's uh, fantastic. I love it. Really good memories. So it was funny because I just ripped it open, like UPS dropped it off. And I just was like, oh, it's a bat. My mom was like, yeah, that's uh, supposed to be under the tree in a month. 
I was like, sorry, thank you. Sorry, thank you. You can um, still wrap it back up and put it under the tree. Again. Yeah, yeah, I think we did. And it was like, oh, I wonder what this one is. And then the second one was my sophomore year of high school when I found out I was going to the Bucky Dent baseball school, which is a big deal because that was like a week long camp in Florida, like legit Delray beach, very legit to go down to, to Bucky Dent. So that was, cool I was, I was jumping up and down. I, I remember like episodic memory jumping up and down. So excited to go to Bucky Dent baseball school. I would have just been excited to go to Florida and play baseball. I well, think yeah. I don't think I ever played baseball <clears throat> until my senior year. I don't think I ever played baseball in, a, in really another state other than New England. Yeah, I wouldn't. I mean, never went anywhere. I went, to, I went on like a world uh, U.S. trip one time, but I didn't get to play. It wasn't as much travel and go play against kids from other states. You also played internationally when you were younger. So well, you got yeah, Italy doesn't count. For somebody that's has dual citizenship and doesn't, I'm talking about in the baseball, in the baseball texture skills realm. Okay. I'm not talking okay. about like the oh, I didn't get to travel or have experiences. Yeah, I played when I was 11, 10 and eleven. I played in tournaments in Paris and in the Czech Republic. Like it's nasty, right? I'm not. It's really cool. Downplay my uh, culture. Heritage. Yeah, culture. Culture. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, in terms of – I never got to play against Florida, Texas, California kids because I always kept hearing Florida, Texas, California kids way better than New England kids. So Yeah, they're pretty good. So but, in Cooperstown, we lost to Panama City, Florida. Pete yeah. Rosenstein was on the team. They had a photographer six feet from home plate. He was basically in the lefty batter's box while Pete Rosenstein was hitting. And we're all like uh, – it was our first game. We played them in the first game of the tournament, and then we lost them in the championship. We ran out of arms. Um, they had a kid throwing like 82. It was gas. But we played them. We played the uh, Park City, not Park City Bums. Some some team called the Bums from California. Probably not allowed now. Um, but we beat them 10 to 6, which was huge. I started that game. I gave up two homers to a kid named Chip. Chip, if you're listening, you're a stud. Lefty, just two, three-run homers to the same kid. Couldn't get him out. He was good. Uh, then when I was 13, played in Oklahoma. 14, it was the AU championship. So I think it was um, Oklahoma when I was 13. I want to say North Carolina 14. And then Memphis when I was 15. See, you got to play AU. I never got to do any of that. Yeah. It was always great to just get out and see, like, hey, you you might be good in your area, but you suck compared yeah, to Yeah, I always else. wanted to try. I didn't get a chance <laughs> to. It's a great way to get out and realize that you're not that good. I, think. I thought there were kids in yeah. Florida that were cyborgs. Like I just thought, hey, I'm playing against a cyborg. Yeah, you basically are. They're they're pretty good. But then I realized they were just humans. Yeah, we were, we had good teams. That was when AAU was like actual travel ball. Now it's glorified rec ball. But that we could save that for for next week because there's nothing happening in the baseball world. We could talk about it then. Yeah, they're showing a lot of movies on the network. Brutal. MLB Network is unwatchable right now. I've gone back to ESPN, which is I haven't watched them for years. Yep. So, anything else? Nope. Happy holidays, all that stuff. Uh, ABCA coming up. Our thing. Our we got a big free event. We're going to be releasing a schedule. By the time this is out, that'll be promote uh, public. But we're going to be doing some travel clinics. Pretty excited about that. 
go time. It's go time. Excited. Good time. All right. Well, take us out. Hey, pickle out.